All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. Okay, everybody. Next on the show is Alan McLeod from Mint Press News. And, uh, well, first of all, welcome to the show and welcome back to the land of Twitter. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm good to be back. Yes, for those who don't know, I was mysteriously banned along with a load of people uh, a little while ago and then almost as mysteriously reinstated uh, very quickly. Yeah. And so what was interesting about that was it was a pretty high profile people. And it's true that pretty pro high profile people have been banned in the past. I guess the one that was really surprising me was Ken Klippenstein because he's a good guy, but he's very like you know, not offensive. Some of you guys go really hard. He doesn't go really hard, right? He does good journalism, but he's not like a like sharp-edged, sort of a commentating, you know, like guy that the bad guys would fear, I wouldn't think. No offense, Ken. I love you, man. I, you know, I, I think you understand maybe what I mean. But a lot of you guys, like the, the squirrel guy or girl, I guess lady, I think it is, I don't know, and you and some others, we can imagine what it was that they went after you guys for, but we don't know exactly who is they, but it seemed like obviously some kind of very coordinated event. And I wonder if you're getting any kind of answers uh, about how this could have happened actually. And especially like all on the same day. And especially when Elon Musk seemed to not know what was going on and said, well, I'll look into it and that kind of thing. Sure. Well, first of all, I thought I was the sort of inoffensive guy on Twitter. I do try, <laughs> at least uh, I do try and uh, try not to get involved in too many uh, he said, she said comments or, you know, uh, name calling or anything. I'm very careful when I think about things like algorithms to not use curse words, to not uh, use openly offensive or derogatory language to people. And that's a choice I've made basically to try and stay clear of the censorship brigade. But yeah, Ken, uh, Ken Klippenstein from The Intercept is, uh, I don't want to say he's a mainstream journalist, but he's a very sort of uh, a very nice, uh, thoughtful person, somebody who who um, who publishes a lot of leaks, who does great work and seems to try and be quite inoffensive on Twitter, just cracks jokes and the same. He doesn't seem to really go after people or anything like that. So it was a real shock to see that both uh, himself and myself were uh, taken down from Twitter a little while ago. As to what happened, well, uh, I found out about it pretty much the same way the other guys found out about it, which was people started sending me messages on WhatsApp and signals saying, hey, what's happened to your account? Have you been taken down? And sure enough, uh, when I went to my Twitter, uh, I saw that I now had zero followers and one message from Twitter support saying that we have suspended your account and check your inbox for a reason. But like the other people, when I did check my inbox, there was absolutely nothing there. And so I was totally none the wiser. And I believe that really the only reason that uh, I, I got back on Twitter was that so many people, so many anti-war figures kicked up a stink 
uh, to say what is what on earth is going on here uh, to the extent that Elon Musk himself personally started to intervene because uh, enough people were atting him, enough uh, well-known figures. Um, as to what happened after that, my account without almost without any uh, mention was just reinstated and I got a message a little while later in my inbox from X right, uh, which which goes as follows. Hello, we are writing to let you know that we've unsuspended your account. We're sorry for the inconvenience and hope to see you back on X soon. Thanks, X support. So one sentence in general. And so really we can't go off too much about why this happened. Uh, it does seem that Mr. Elon Musk wasn't really any the wiser. He certainly played the fool anyway. I think that was genuine. Ultimately, though, I think this reflects the fact that people who are radicals, who are outsiders, who are critical of the establishment, the military industrial complex, corporations, the permanent war economy, uh, the US military and US foreign policy more generally, uh, are not treated very nicely by the people who design and upkeep the algorithms on social media. This happens constantly to so many figures, whether they're Palestinians on Instagram having their accounts uh, suspended at periods of high drama, or whether they're Nicaraguans uh, using Facebook at a time out of an election and they have their account suspended then as well when the US government wants to try and uh, uh, interfere with that election. This happens constantly to the point where we now know that if you challenge power online, because these huge social media companies are now so close to uh, the uh, military industrial complex and Washington more generally, uh, they really act as an arm of the as an arm of the national security state, and will zap anyone with inconvenient opinions. Yeah, or in your case, inconvenient reporting. And yeah, when I said you go hard, I didn't mean you're insulting the way I am. I just meant you do some really <laughs> cutting edge stuff. And so that's my next question: Would you ever publish that they might object to? Oh damn! Listen, uh, if if you check my social media, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> How about so let's narrow it down. People recently <laughs> oh darn well listen the last uh, few months i've been going pretty hard on the media coverage of israel palestine how constantly we're told that this is frankly a war when it's not a war it's a slaughter how big media companies are refusing to use words like killed or murdered or slaughtered or assassinated and suddenly palestinians just uh mysteriously die all of a sudden according to the headlines or how corporate uh, corporate media are just simply not covering things like the um, uh, the trial, the genocide trial of Israel that's going on right now. All of this sort of stuff really is not conducive to advertisers or Twitter's bottom line ultimately, because they rely on these big corporations uh, for for uh, funding, and they are very close to the uh, national security state, as I've detailed in a lot of my reporting. And so, yeah, ultimately, pretty much everything I post on there uh, is uh, not welcome, I would say, by the sort of people who run Silicon Valley. And so that is ultimately why I think generally people who uh, are critical of the establishment are put on certain lists, uh, demoted, deranked, um, delisted, and in my case, for a few days anyway, deleted. And that's what happens. I mean, I'm thinking specifically about uh, a list that we were both put on. That was the prop or not list back in 2017, I think it was, yeah. when this uh, very shady organization, prop or not, 
came out with their list of uh, outlets which constantly sponsor or rehost Russian disinformation. And when you look at that list, there certainly were a bunch of crazy websites on there. But also on there were left-wing websites like Truthout or Mint Press News, where I work, more libertarian ventures like the Ron Paul Institute or antiwar.com. And uh, yeah, it seems absolutely clear that they were essentially making a list of outlets that were that did not toe the line that were critical of the US government and US foreign policy. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, a little bit, a little while later, it turns out that this uh, crazy list, proper or not, was actually uh, very likely written by an organization with deep, deep ties, very close ties to NATO itself. And so we've now got a, uh, we're now living in this very dystopian reality where um, the state is coming in and trying to censor uh, outlets on the grounds of keeping us all safe from foreign interference. Foreign and imagine, state interference seriously, in our media. a German funded organization putting out propaganda falsely accusing Americans of being members of the pro-Russian Bund. Like, what in the world mirror universe are we living in? Yeah, it really is incredible, you know. Uh, we are living in a, in a, I mean, a dystopian time really doesn't do it justice, really, quite frankly. But, um, yeah, uh, another thing about uh, this group, um, which we're talking about, the Atlantic Council, which is very close to NATO, um, uh, it's putting out some of the most unhinged propaganda itself, talking about how pretty much every political party in Europe, which doesn't toe the line on uh, mainstream economics, is somehow enthralled to Putin as part of Putin's puppets. They published a long series of reports called the Kremlin's Trojan Horses, which went through how pretty much every party in Europe, from Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party to Podemos in Spain to the Golden Dawn in uh, in Greece and the Five Star Movement in Italy, were all secretly basically uh, the lapdogs of uh, the Kremlin. None of this was uh, really sourced with any kind of um, any kind of like proper evidence or anything. But when you're that powerful, it really doesn't matter. You you lean on the journalists you have in um, in high positions to get this out, and suddenly the public is terrified that, uh, you know, everything they read that is not coming straight from Hillary Clinton's mouth is actually Vladimir Putin's words uh, hidden. It's just an absolutely crazy time we live in. Yeah, it is. It's completely nuts. And especially, man, so many major lies and themes in the media in a row. It, it's just odd how anyone can accept it anymore. That, well, this is what we all believe, I heard, but... What about the last 10 things that turned out not to be right, you know? Remember how important it was that we back Al-Qaeda suicide bombers in Syria? And again, because that was what Israel wanted, because they hate the Shiites more? What in the world? You know, I am really concerned about fake news. Fake news is a genuine problem. But we have to go beyond uh, thinking about fake news as something that, you know, Macedonian teens uh, blogging on some website and putting it on Facebook do. It's a much deeper problem. If we talk about the the kind of fake reporting and false stories that have really caused <clears throat> the most damage to society over the last, say, 20 years, what would we look at? We would look at things like <clears throat> the weapons of mass destruction hoax, or we would look at the stories telling us that uh, uh, Muammar al-Gaddafi was on the verge of committing genocide against the Libyan people. These, these sorts of stories 
these sorts of lies got the United States into wars which killed millions of people and displaced tens of millions more. And where did they come from? Did they come from, you know, an average Joe on Facebook spreading some sort of weird story? No, they were they came from the government itself and they were uh, mainstreamed by outlets like CNN, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal and Fox News. These were the sorts of mainstream outlets which pushed the biggest and most deleterious fake news uh, of the 21st century. But that's not how we're thought, that's not how we're trained to think about the fake news, right? We like to think of it <clears throat> as something people on the fringes do, but actually the more powerful and more organized uh, and more influential an organization, a news organization is, the uh, the more chance that anything they publish is that is false really goes on to harm uh, the public more generally. And so I think we really have to start casting uh, a bit more scrutiny over big corporate outlets like the New York Times or CNN or whoever, who very often get a fake pass in this fake news debate. And actually very often are the ones that are allowed to control the parameters of debate and set themselves up as the fact checkers that will decide what is true and what is false for all of us. Yeah, of course. Hey, you guys, did you know that I don't just write books? I publish them. Well, the Institute does, and I'm the director, so yeah. Thirteen of them now, including my four. We published five more in 2023. Lori Calhoun and Tom Woods' books about the COVID regime. Joe Solis Mullen on the fake China threat. Jim Bovard's latest, Last Rights. And our managing editor, Keith Knight's, Domestic Imperialism. And we've got more great titles coming in 2024. Check them out at libertarianinstitute.org slash books and help support our anti-government efforts at libertarianinstitute.org slash donate. And thank you. Hey, y'all, Scott here. Let me tell you about Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, Inc. Who knew? Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and terribly distorted markets. If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them. You need to put some, at least, into precious metals. Well, Roberts and Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. And they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, they're there for you too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800-874-9760. That's 800-874-9760. Or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. And, hey, all they need is two government sources say the same thing. They know it's true. <laughs> Even if it's, if it's the most preposterous lie in the world. Um, all right, now, um, so can you tell us a little bit more about some of the other accounts that were suspended? Because as long as you guys are being oppressed, then we ought to do the opposite of that and promote them a little bit here. Tell us about ZEI Squirrel. Do you know much? Yeah, Zay Squirrel is one of the uh, most interesting and best uh, accounts on Twitter, in my opinion, they post a ton of stuff from an anti-war perspective, just an absolute load of videos, really a throwback to the older days of the internet where we had genuine anonymous accounts being funny or being incisive or being in some way useful to people. And Say Squirrel is one of those people constantly, as I said, uh, putting up old videos, blasts from the past, uh, mind-blowing videos of politicians saying stuff or uh, figures uh, really uh, going after uh, the, the military industrial complex, US foreign policy, uh, absolutely great, uh, great follow and a great goldmine of, um, of stuff there. 
There was also Rob Russo, the podcaster who hosts uh, the Insurgents podcast, another very interesting podcast, very critical of the establishment too. Ken Klippestein is often on that podcast as well. Uh, we talked about him before, the Intercept journalist. Uh, who else was on there? Who uh, The True On On podcast was on there, which is a podcast which takes a sideways look at conspiracy theories in a very interesting uh, and very funny way. Generally, these people, I would say, would be grouped on the sort of anti-war left uh, spectrum of um, of uh, the, the political sphere. And the fact that we were all uh, kicked off within minutes of each other really suggests that there was some sort of mass dragnet going on mm -hmm. where the algorithm just kicked us all off. And I don't even know if that was deliberate or not. I suspect it probably wasn't deliberate. But the fact that that happened goes to show you that algorithms are not this kind of neutral uh, thing that exists in the ether. These things are written by people and they're written to uh, promote certain places and uh, demote certain other people. Yeah. Well, my speculation is a bit different. I think that there was a coordinated campaign from the outside to target you guys and they were able to complain about you enough on, you know, block and report under sock puppet accounts and claim that you guys committed whichever sins and then figured out the they figured out the algorithm, how to game the system to make it work this way. Something like that probably is more likely to me. Yeah, that's very interesting. You know, I the reality is is that it's kind of like uh, crimes in your own country. Everybody commits some sort of crime that could be punishable, whether it's jaywalking or, you know, not filling out your taxes perfectly or, you know, speeding or something. We've all done something that could be uh, considered um, uh, against the rules. And I guess if you do have a coordinated campaign, you can go after people just trying to find any little rule that they might have broken and just trying to cause as much of a stink as possible. There was another theory going around that the billionaire Bill Ackman might have been involved um, because a couple of the accounts were making fun of him and his scandal that's going on, particularly with his wife and the plagiarism scandal. Yeah, I was going to ask you whether that had been one of your keywords or not. Well, I actually was not following the whole Bill Ackman thing before, uh, and I certainly hadn't tweeted about it. I had okay. to just uh, quickly refresh my memory on who he was, actually, uh, when uh, when somebody asked me about that. So I'm pretty sure it's not it's not to do with him in my case, but uh, certainly other people uh, were um, talking about this uh, to a great extent. And so perhaps uh, perhaps Bill Ackman was, was involved, perhaps he wasn't. But the fact that everybody seems to think that that's um, quite possible really tells us a lot about how we understand how social media works, that we do actually innately understand that powerful people or, or powerful organizations do have backdoors into these social media platforms and can influence our public sphere, uh, our public affairs like that. And that's a really dangerous thing to have when uh, the powerful can actually try to affect uh, the means of communication for billions of people all around the world. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, my guy Kyle at the Institute and Antiwar.com, Kyle Anzalone, he wrote a piece, uh, you know, first thing in the morning as soon as he found out about this. We posted that on Twitter and, you know, Greenwald and a lot of other big shot uh, Twitter accounts were saying, hey, this isn't fair. And, you know, it was pretty clear it was going to get resolved pretty soon. But... Um, a lot of the responses said, yeah, but this is my third account. The only reason anyone's sticking up for these guys is because they're already kind of big shots, but I can't get my account restored and I didn't do anything. 
And I've noticed this too. I don't know how widespread this is, but I saw someone say, yeah, and videos from Gaza all of a sudden won't play. And I had had that problem with a couple myself. I don't know, again, uh, how anecdotal that is. But that's the thing of it is there's a lot of regular Joes who don't get to have their say at all because they get squashed for, you know, by the algorithm and mostly for no good reason. You know, I see a lot of times there'll be like invisible replies to my tweets and I say, well, show more and reveal that one. And, oh, this one might be offensive. Go ahead and show me anyway. And then it's a perfectly reasonable comment by a perfectly reasonable gentleman. He's not even doing anything wrong at all. You know, that kind of thing goes on a lot. Oh, most definitely. And I completely sympathize with the people saying that. And the reality is, is that if I, if you go back a few years when I had like 500 followers and this happened to me, yeah, nobody would have stuck up for me because, uh, Nobody would have heard of me. And so ultimately, that is a huge problem that we've got right now, where it's only really people who have enough connections and can cause and kick up enough of a stink uh, if they've got, you know, celebrity political friends who can do tweets for them are actually going to get their accounts back. But as you said, this is a huge problem where you talk to anybody who uh, is on a political Twitter and they'll tell you the same thing, that they've had their accounts suspended. They've had uh, they've been silenced. They've been censored. Uh, this goes on constantly. Twitter is an absolute uh, cluster F for this, as are all the other big social media um, platforms as well. You know, again, we'll, we, you know, Gaza's in the news right now. You talk to any Palestinian about how they post online, and pretty much all of them have the same uh, story about having their accounts taken away from them or suspended or stuff not showing or, you know, their, their relatives or friends saying, you know, we can't play your videos, as you said. So this has been going on for years and years and years. And it really makes a mockery of this whole idea that uh, the uh, online platform is truly, you know, a venue for free speech. Because as we see, free speech isn't free. And uh, if you don't have that sort of following, you are not given it. And even if you do have a following, you might still be, you know, deranked and uh, demoted. Uh, if you the sort of speech that you're um, participating in is not conducive to those at the top and their interests. Yeah. And I don't know, man, I was raised with this as just a basic truism, right? It's why you have fair trials for bad people and stuff is, you know, if the people you disagree with or even are guilty of crimes or whatever it is, they don't have their rights protected, then you'll end up without your rights protected. So... If you want to just be completely self-interested about the thing, you have to care whether other people get to choose where they go to church and what they want to print and sell or what they want to tweet out to the world or whether it should be up to somebody else. Because if it's up to somebody else, they're going to decide for you. Come on. Who's got to be taught that over the age of eight years old? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. They always say that you have to stick up for the rights of people, uh, people's speech, even if you find their views abhorrent, um, you still have to stick up for them because the next time it might be you that's being uh, silenced. Ultimately, though, I think a lot of people who are in the sort of political center uh, do actually innately realize that it's not going to be them that are going to be silenced. And so we're now seeing quite a dangerous trend of a lot of people supporting the banning or the silencing of speech online. Uh, and that's going to have a really negative effect over uh, society because if these uh, ideas are not being actually talked out in the open, they go underground. And a lot of the time that can actually cause more harm than good.
All right, you guys, that is Alan McLeod. He is at Mint Press News. And Alan, what's your handle on Twitter? Well, thankfully, I'm back on there, so you can find me. It's Alan R. McLeod. So that's at A-L-A-N-R-M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Right on. And uh, there's a reason I've interviewed you a couple of dozen times so far so is because you do great work. And uh, I'm very glad you're back. And hopefully you don't get banished again. Thanks well, for your time. Thank you very much, Scott. It was a pleasure speaking with you. All right, you guys, that's Alan McLeod. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., APSRadio.com, Antiwar.com, ScottHorton.org, and LibertarianInstitute.org.